are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. Our production moving closer to home in Detroit will allow us a lot more flexibility with colors, with customization. As we release the Bella 3 uh, in the spring, this is our third version, which will be exciting. And again, for us, you know, there's 95% of the e-bike space is white labeled Chinese e-bikes where you just pick a design, change a couple of things, throw a label on and, and ship it, ship it to the US. We own our design from the ground up, which allows us, you know, it's a lot more challenging, but allows us a lot more customization and ability to kind of, as we, as we release new models and functionality allow, allows us to really target that. So we're excited to release the Velo 3. That was Justin Kosmidas. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the show, I sync up with Justin Kosmidis, CEO and co-founder of Vela the e-bike company turning heads on the road with their beautifully designed, elegant, connected e-bikes. Vela e-bikes offer a modern day twist on the classic cruiser with their high-tech connectivity, leather encased control panel, and removable rechargeable battery hidden in the seat post. I met up with Justin at the Vela headquarters in Brooklyn Navy Yards at New Lab, the incubator and network for technology and mobility companies. And we were also joined by his adorable dog, Artie, who was very quiet, but he did have a few things to add towards the end. Justin and I sync up about where the idea for Vela began, how he went from working in the world of banking to the cycling and e-bike industry, how the company has grown and evolved over the past few years, some of the entrepreneurial lessons he has learned along the way, and what 2023 looks like for Vela. Justin also took me on a tour of the Navy Yard on the Vela e-bike, and let me just say that these e-bikes are awesome. I loved not having to pedal to get to 20 miles an hour. For my listeners, Vela and Justin are offering you $350 off your first bike with our code Marnie on the move. There are two styles, the low step classic cruiser with a modern twist for people who are 5'1", like me, to six feet tall, or the high step for people who are 5'7", to 6'5". Before we dive in, shout out to our sponsors at Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. It transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science backed nutrition recommendations you need to optimize your health. 
Get 20% off today at insidetracker.com slash Marnie on the move or use our code cheers Marnie. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. Head over to wherever you get your podcasts on Apple. Click on the Marnie on the Move podcast. Click on leave a review and scroll through the episodes. Click on the five stars. Click on leave a review and tell us what you love. Also, feel free to share this episode or any of the episodes in your social channels. Take a screenshot. Tag us. We'll tag you back. Now, on to my conversation with Justin. Justin, it's so awesome to chat with you today on the Marnie on the Move podcast. Thanks for being here. Of course. Great to be here. Nice to finally chat. Yeah, and thanks for for bringing me over to Brooklyn to the Navy Yard where we are at your office, which is super beautiful. Welcome to uh, the Navy Yard, the Brooklyn location of the uh, of New Lab. Tell me a little bit about Vela and where the idea began. Sure. Yeah. The idea really grew over a pretty long time. I was in banking for almost 10 years and um, really hated that grind in the New York City, just like push and pull and the craziness that we all face every single day. We step outside and try to get on a subway or try to get a cab or try to, you know, just live. And e-biking for me was an escape. You know, could get into the office without sweating and really had the freedom of mobility and choosing different routes, stopping for an express along the way into the office. So e-biking for me was was an incredible outlet. Um, and then I got transferred out to L.A. Mm-hmm. and really started to try to capture that same kind of e-biking freedom out in a city that was designed for cars and automobiles and I was able to and I was like profoundly like mind-blowing that you can take this thing here in New York and in LA and in so many other cities and really grow on that and while I was falling in love with e-biking halfway around the world my co-founder was starting to design and build these beautiful e-bikes this is one of them right here right the beautiful Vela old school inspired ode to the classic yep Italian bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. 1970s style. And he in Sao Paulo, which we like to say has the hills of San Francisco, but the traffic of LA. Oh my God. Was uh, (laughs) terrible, terrible. Was designing and building uh, this e-bike. And and we joined forces to really put this beautiful e-bike on the road around the world. So what was your original e-bike that you were riding to get around? Were you like on city bike or you? It was just city bike had yet to roll out in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. Okay. And this was like the first wave of city bike. It was before electric, before anything. It was a Dutch brand, which is very well known. Okay. Um, And we're friends. No, we're all friends. And quite frankly, I was a huge supporter of them early on. And and it really was my gateway into the industry. And had one here, had one in LA, and beautiful, beautiful brand. It takes vision to start a company. And when you're inspired by another brand or another company, that's like a huge compliment to them. And to be fair, like there weren't a lot of cool e-bike companies. There weren't a ton of options. But now there's been huge proliferation of e-bikes on the cycling and transportation landscape around the world because... 
getting around by bike is so efficient. So talk to me a little bit about Vela and your bikes because you know you touched upon the design. Yeah. The design for us is is an important aspect. I mean, we've reached a technological point with e-bikes where we've started to get a plateauing of both battery sizes and motors and all this kind of nerdy stuff behind the scenes that we can start really focusing on the design aspect. Our design was really to stay as minimal and as clean and as basic as possible. From the outside, we wanted a bike that looked like a normal bike. That, right. And that's still our number one compliment. The, people are surprised. They're like just you know, they gasp, they're like, there's no way that can actually be an e-bike, you know, this, this, you know, all the technology hidden away. Um, our batteries in the seat post, our motors in the rear, and then really what was a problem where we put the electronics and the computer and the brains of, of the bike was all hidden away in this like beautiful leather pouch that we thought at first was uh, this is going to be a problem or an issue and really we've leaned into it and we've got um you know four thousand bikes on the road right now and around sao paulo and other cities the design and this silhouette of this classic looking bike with this leather pouch has really become something that people can spot from a mile away so you have Um, a design that's like your signature brand yeah and talk to me about the technicality of the bike and functionality like the battery and because I think that's really cool that you can take the battery off and go inside take it into your office recharge it here in New York it's honestly a necessity I mean that was one of the biggest reasons I was moving from a place where uh, my my Amsterdam beautiful bike you know I could charge it right on the first floor I was moving to a fourth floor walk up and there was no way I could carry this bike up the stairs each day Right. I didn't want to leave it downstairs, you know, and, and in the elements. And so for us, the design of the removable battery, which is hidden in the seat post um, and in a very slim, sleek design, uh, allowing that in terms of freedom of charging anywhere um, is huge for us. And it's definitely it's part of the core of our brand where we really take this battery, which is usually slapped onto the side or it's right. black and ugly and, you know, afterthought. You can take it off the bike also on right. most bikes. On, you have, on yeah. A, yeah. On a large percentage of them, they're, they're fixed and, and incorporated into the bike. For us, it's, it's really a core pillar of every single bike that we've always designed. Even the first version of our bike back in 2014 has the same exact um, battery design. So we can really continue to uh, leverage off that. Like how many different styles and colors do you have? Up until now, we've we've kept it pretty basic with two styles, five different colors. Um, but we really see the growth in the market and the maturing of the market. So mm-hmm. we're starting to work on our cargo bike, which use a lot of this similar design aspects, same kind of battery type. And so we will be going kind of out from here. Mm-hmm. Um, this has served us very well, you know, up until now. And what, is the, what are the size ranges? Is it small, medium, large, or is it? Like- we have a small and a large, okay. which captures um, pretty much all riders from about four foot ten, call it four foot eleven, all the way up to six five, and some pretty tall riders. And do you help people who are buying the bikes adjust and fit the bike yeah. so that it works for them? Yeah. Okay. Which is great. Yeah. And so, and you have how many different colors are there? Our colors are our real kind of pillar 
of of you know the expression you know we do very limited branding we want the bike again to you know an o to our 1970s you know classic bike design mm-hmm. wanting to be very basic with some very minimal branding um, on the front and very minimal branding on the uh, chain guard but our colors are forest green midnight blue cherry red uh, coral and sky blue um, which and do- are- how many did you start with? We started, honestly, we started with a lot more. We started with over 30 colors. Oh, my God. Um, wow. How do which, you do that? Which was a logistical, just, you know, those are one of those lessons that you learn where you're like, this is a bad idea to offer <laughs> this much choice. And quite frankly, it's, you know, for all of us, you know, it's it's too much choice is often not the best thing. So it's right. good to kind of like slim it down into X. I always wondered about that, like how bike designers decide like what colorways to yeah. go with and you know because I could I could like you know pick colors all day and, and yeah you know yeah it's amazing with like even Nike ID or other things with yeah this idea that we can choose as much as possible we still obviously like other people to like all right well I've, I've chosen three of the you know colors that you guys should go with this is the best combo so but we are excited that we're gonna there's gonna be more colors there's gonna be a little bit more as we kind of move production back home some more colors and options which we're excited about right you just announced that you're going to be producing all of your bikes in the u.s uh, yeah it is it is you know for us we've been on this journey now uh with the company for you know well over in in brazil and south america since uh 2014 is that where you launched that's where we launched and and we have a majority of our bikes uh that's where my co-founder is located in sao paulo um and then in the u.s we really started testing the waters uh just before the pandemic and then with the beginning of the pandemic and we really didn't have a choice you know due to all the supply chain and the logistical issues um we had to uh produce overseas um we set up a warehouse here in brooklyn and we started to do this kind of morphous of kind of both which is a logistical challenge right um but we've partnered up with the largest bike builder in the u.s and really bringing more of these um bike building skills that you know since the bike was invented in the early 1800s you know right. it's it's been this incredible you know pretty basic tool and functionality for getting around or sport or cycling or you know as you know many different uses right um but it's this idea that you know 96 plus percent of our bikes are made in china and then packed up and shipped and there's this disconnect and parts and everything it's really something that we're excited to be a part of kind of bringing this back to the u.s that's amazing all right shout out to our series partners revitin revitin is my go-to when it comes to toothpaste and oral health i have been using it for years revitin is a prebiotic toothpaste that is an all-natural vitamin and mineral rich formulation that gently cleanses whitens teeth and freshens breath while helping to restore gums and reduce harmful plaque It's free of SLS, synthetic detergents, or additives, and contains no harsh chemicals, fluoride, artificial colors, sweeteners, or dyes. Created by biologic dentist Dr. Jerry Curatola years ago when he recognized the need for a new and effective oral care product that could support sustainable health within the mouth. 
Revitin fosters a balanced oral environment with beneficial microorganisms that optimize nutrient absorption and act as the body's first line of defense. The oral microbiome is the gateway to optimal full body health. So make sure you take care of it with a great toothpaste that does not have fluoride or harmful chemicals. Get started now with Revitin Prebiotic Toothpaste. Use our code MARNIE15 at Revitin.com to jumpstart your health. That's M-A-R-N-I-1515 at Revitin, R-E-V-I-T-I-N.com. Now, back to our conversation. And, you know, you mentioned that you launched during the pandemic in the U.S., which, how was that? No one, everybody wanted to start cycling. Yeah. And yeah. nobody could find bikes. No. So, and everybody wanted them. Yeah. Everyone, bikes and, and bike manufacturing, you know, my background had been in banking, logistics and fundraising and all these other sides of, of business. And my, my co-founder had, you know, been part of the biking industry since 2014 and, and really knew and had the supply chain relationships and a lot of the background on that. But it's, I've, I've learned to really respect how incredible the bike building industry is. I mean, parts are ordered two years in advance. Decisions are made, you know, so early on. um, And it takes a true orchestra of all of this coming together and working as one to produce this beautiful, if it's a $10,000 carbon fiber, you know, road bike that you're going to take on a try to, you know, even your mom's bike that you're going to get and she's going to use a couple times a year. You know, right. it's really the challenges of all that coming together is is not easy. Um, and we were definitely I knew the biking boom and the e-biking boom was coming, mm-hmm. um, but it really was accelerated by COVID. Um, yeah. And the other thing that happened was the we'll call it the uh, meritocracy of biking. Uh, in New York City, halfway through the pandemic, we saw the equaling out of male and female ridership. Yeah. Um, so a lot more people were able to experience and enjoy and get out and become part of this biking uh, world, which was really exciting to see and be part of. That being said, I had, you know, aunts trying to slip me $20 bills being like, can you get me a bike? And I was like, if I could make more bikes, I would. If I could get bikes around the you know world, I could. It is it is a, a huge challenge. And that's part of why moving things closer to home yeah. in, in the U.S. is so important for us kind of going forward. I think it's not only investing in jobs and, you know, the rebirth of our cities and really community. But it's also the the pure fact of it's a lot easier to produce something, you know, a couple hundred miles away, a short Delta flight versus, you know, halfway around the world. I actually, I mean, it was really a challenge. I mean, we, my partner wanted to get a bike during the pandemic and they wouldn't even take our money to order it because they just didn't know when it was going to come in. And I feel like companies are still struggling with parts that are made all around the world. It's just kind of like, you know, the way it is now. And I think that customers has, have finally, you know, come to terms with that. You know, like, you know, you can't just like walk into a store and buy a bike uh, these days, but it's just great that you have all these bikes that you're building and your turnaround time is a lot quicker than that for people to, to get a bike. Yeah. And, and I think it's good for, you know, we are one segment of the market. The market is changing and growing in the United States, but also globally. 
And I think it's important. I mean, there's a lot of new U.S. brands and there's a lot of, I mean, when you look at the top, the, the treks, the, I ride a Cervelo for road biking, you know, the, a lot of these bikes are produced and, and almost all of them overseas and in a couple of small markets, you know, when we talk about chip shortages or this shortage or that shortage, I mean, that's part of it. And, and building frames here in the U S if it's high tech carbon fiber frames that are, are the, our partner that we're partnering up with in Detroit has facilities in South Carolina, but also, you know, our frames are steel frames, you know, it's, you need all of it and it's an entire ecosystem. Um, and it's part of this global kind of supply chain that all comes together. And, you know, you touched upon some stats and data about seeing more women coming into the world of cycling and sort of like it balancing out like who your customer was. So, can you talk to me a little bit about the stats? Because I also, as a cyclist and triathlete, with that said, I did see a lot of women getting into cycling and also just like getting out. Like I saw so many people on the city bike, but I saw a study come out and it was next level. So talk to me about this like huge boom of cyclists. Yeah, it's it's incredible because, I mean, look, when, when we were doing research earlier, kind of pre-pandemic and going into the pandemic, one of the top reasons it, that was holding people back from buying a bike or, or um, participating in this growth in either micromobility or, you know, some form of it was always safety. And the simple fact is that our roads have not historically been built for cycling and, and, right. and cyclists on there and protected bike lanes and just painted bike lanes or all forms of some sort of protection in between a door opening on the side and a car or a truck going by at, you know, 40 right. miles per hour, you know, and it still is, we spent, I've spent a lot of time in Austin, Texas and a couple in other markets in Tennessee and others. And it's like, you still have a lot of, a lot of roads constructed in a way that are unsafe for people to be biking. And yeah. that turns off a huge percentage of it. Um, when Especially we, in cities where people... Yeah would be using them to commute and get around right. to work. Right. I mean, the opportunity to cut your commute in a th by a third, to have the flexibility of getting to and from work without sweating, the ability to, yeah. you know, really be in charge of when you left and all these other parameters. The other thing is like safety. You know, it's yeah. my, my, my girlfriend always comments like, the safety I feel of like being able to bike away from a situation, also being faster than most bike bikers on the road, yeah, but yeah. being able to bike away from things or like not being on, on the subway. I'm a huge proponent of public transportation and subways and yeah. could not, you know, support them more. But it's also a simple fact of, you know, they have gotten more unsafe during the pandemic and, and the health benefits also yeah, being I mean, outside of a closed compartment. And especially since everybody was inside for so long, just being outside. I, th I think that people during the pandemic around the globe had this new awareness around their health and how important it was to walk, to move, to get outside, which I think was, you know, how this huge boom in e-bikes came to be because e-bikes offer opportunities to people of all levels to get yeah. outside and exercise, even if you're using it as an e-bike and you're not really pedaling, I mean, you still kind of have to pedal, right. but just being outside is healthy. Just breathing in the air. So yeah. it's, it's really, I mean, it's 
look, I mean, the benefits, don't get me wrong. I mean, going on a ride and, you know, with, you know, a true cycling ride where you're going spandex and you're going for, you know, a 50 mile ride yeah. or whatever. Like I'm a cyclist. I grew up both mountain biking and road biking. Um, that was, you know, my entry into obviously cycling in general. Um, there is clearly the, the benefit of, of pushing yourself well beyond that. Yeah. That being said, I mean, e-bikes, there's the, the data, there's more than enough data that backs this up, that it gets more people on the road for longer distances and more regularly. And yeah. it is also weight agnostic. So you can, um, you know, you can carry more both things and people and, you know, have the ability to really, you know, have that flexibility of going on different hills and different, you know, um, routes that you maybe normally wouldn't. Right. And you have people who, quite frankly, normally wouldn't have felt comfortable going on a 20 mile ride, getting on, you know, our bikes can go 40 miles on a charge on our low power mode. And then on a high power mode, about 25 miles. But how fast do they go? Up to 20 miles per hour. Okay. Um, but it's really based on your pedal assess. If you want to pedal more, you can also turn off the power completely. So, you know, on your ride home, if you want to work out, almost every single e-bike on the market, you have the ability to control its um, assist level, okay. which is an important fun- important yeah. aspect where, look, you, you, you have people who want more of a challenge or less of a challenge or maybe just for a particular part of their ride. Um, and that's important. I mean, there's, you know... Quite frankly, it's getting more people on the road is the most important thing. And when we're selling 800,000 e-bikes, there's an obvious demand for, um, you know, more people to enjoy this. You've got older people, you've got people who maybe wouldn't normally be riding. Um, and so it's good to see kind of all parts and areas of the e-biking uh, demand. Up. Who's your biggest market right now? Like, and, and, you know, what are you looking to grow more of? Yeah, it's I very humbled and respectful of the fact that when we turned on sales in 2020 and 2021, in a market where, you know, mostly 70 plus percent was male dominated and and going after a particular zipping through the woods at 20 yep. miles per hour and, you know, kind of little crazy um, uh, fat tire bikes and everything over 60% of our riders have been females. And I think the design, the approachability, but also the power and the function, like not skimping on those things. Either. Right. I mean, it's these just are a more feminine, things. like more cool, yeah. cool design, cool yeah. kind of aspect of it, but also incorporating safety and some other areas that are important into it. Um, so we've definitely been trending in that direction, which is yeah. exciting. And, and it's really um, helped us carve out and, and be also over 80% of our riders were first time e-bike riders, which is incredible to see like people trying the city bike, trying the city electric, trying yeah. a little, you know, their line Don't or whatever's me. close. Yeah. And then, you know, it's their gateway. into. I like the idea of the e-bike though, yeah. like getting around on an e-bike. Cause I'm jetting around the city all the time and everywhere I go, I could bring the e-bike inside. Like, yeah. it's not like, I wouldn't want to leave that outside. <laughs> but, we you know, saw, we yeah. partnered with a really good lock company. You mentioned the locks. So what kind of locks do you have? <laughs> locks are important. It's yeah. always safety of, of 
riding in your yeah. local area so we can look at like okay is denver investing more in bike lanes or is this yeah. city investing more in bike lanes and that actually drives a lot of where we're going and kind of how we're expanding because there's a direct correlation of a city's investment in their bike lanes for all of us to right. enjoy cyclists road, you know road bikers mountain bikers you name it we're all out there um and the growth in their biking community and sales right quite frankly what was New York City has like this made this announcement during the pandemic about like like hundreds of miles of roads available for cyclists? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. I, and, what was that? I don't have it. Actually, um, uh, the mayor was going to bike to his inauguration. There was rumor of him biking to his inauguration, but it was bad weather. And it yeah. Was also, like January or something. So. Was he riding a Vela? No, no, we've yet to get a Vela to him. We've got a Vela to a lot of people, but not yeah. to we haven't cracked the mayor. So. Um, uh, yeah, so New York City is yeah. is a biking city. I mean, New York everybody City is a bike city. Yeah. It's by far the best biking city in the country. It's yeah. flat. It's pretty everything. It's the weather that really we bump into for yeah. starting. It's it's interesting when you look at the bike counters, like the one on the Manhattan Bridge and other places. It starts really dropping. Almost the week after the marathon, actually, coming yeah. up there next week. So Once it gets below 50. Once it gets below 50 is like that magic mark. And then, then the diehards kind of, come out. Yeah. And then you get the people with the, you know, I've seen people on the bridge with like heated gloves. Mm-hmm. And you really don't need, you know, we've, we've you know, Reigns, a Danish company, makes really nice biking gear and super yeah. stylish. You know, there's a lot of biking kind of accessory and everything that you can add on that really makes that an enjoyable experience and quite frankly you're more than capable of of test riding it yeah i mean riding it throughout the year um i was the guinea pig for you know all the all of my um colleagues down in brazil to start testing the bike out in the winter time in the snow and everything yeah. so they would get a kick of did you have to change around. the tires or you kept those tires i switched to uh I, this is uh i ride a forest green bike like this uh i switched to black tires with the okay. salt and everything Could you have those options for yeah. site, for riders like you can change out the tire colors yeah. i mean they look no. like super bad like super sturdy it's a very the yeah. interesting thing is again going back to the design of like we wanted a bike that looked as good as the functionality that like also incorporated all the technology we yeah. have a connected app and we have the ability to track your bike remotely and lock Do you, it remotely. Can you track like heart rate and all that or? Not yet. We're working on it. it I mean, the functionality is all there. Like you haven't partnered up with Garmin yet. We haven't partnered up with Garmin or Strava or everything. You got to do that. Strava. It's an API, right? Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's you just get, t- yeah. I on my Whoop, I see like it will track as a as a ride, and right. then you know, it'll be in zone one, you know, low. But it will definitely, you know, it it definitely shows up as riding. You yeah. get, you know, some studies, you know, it's about thirty percent less if you look on average um, in terms of cardiovascular for lighter rides. That's cool. Any, you know, any movement is good movement. It's like true. it's like it's getting true. around. And then, like you know, you mentioned that you have a Cervelo, yeah. uh, and you're you've also you're a road cyclist and you've done MTB, so. What are you doing now to stay fit since you're a busy entrepreneur? What yeah. are some of your activities? <laughs> it is, it has been a challenge uh, to all my fellow uh, founders and entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, I, I now get it. And now, but also, you know, if you're mother or if you're, uh, you know, just if it is a challenge to balance the the unknown and the really the 
the unexpected. And, you know, we all, I think, you know, I was, I've done the New York City Marathon a number of times and LA Marathon. And, you know, that was really, running was always my outlet. And for me, I now cherish because it's so lucky for me yeah. to be able to go out running in the morning times away from all this because it is, you know, it's it's a challenge to, to balance all that. I've also realized just mental health is yeah. such an important factor. Um, you know, it's the physical health, of course, that, you know, we need to incorporate and bring in, but the mental health and the mental support and my yes, girlfriend I was and say, my dog and all those things. You've that, got like, the cutest dog who, by the way, guys, you haven't sh- – He's in the office today. He's in the studio. He's, He's sleeping around. right next to me. He's so cute. And um, yeah, and you run with him. He's my running He's my running partner. He's yeah. my look up at me at six o'clock and it's like, you got to get back to the warehouse real soon. Your window to run with me is closing. Let's get out there. That's so cute. And, and he'll look up at us, you know, four miles and he'll be like, that's it? That's all we get to do today? So, but I bring him into the office here in the warehouse yeah. and- We've yet to train him on how to build bikes, but he's we're working on it. He looks pretty smart. <laughs> and for mental health, I mean, my uh, God, dogs are amazing for mental health. And you got him during the pandemic. He's a pandemic pup. Yeah. Pa- <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Are you doing any cycling beyond uh, e-biking? Yeah, definitely. Still getting out there, still cycling. My Strava is embarrassingly, you know, you can definitely see when really got started with the with the business, the Strava's just dropped I might off. cancel Strava, actually. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm so embarrassed by how slow I'm running. I can't bear that yeah. people are seeing it. And I'm like, I don't even use Strava. Yeah. yeah. It's still my favorite social media yeah, above and beyond all is. the okay. other ones out there. I still think Strava's the best, but... It is, I mean, it is a real challenge. It, it is when you don't have like organized structure and and when you don't know what, you know, the bike building yeah. world is going to throw at you next week, you know, it's hard to, you know, go forward with planning and, and sticking to training schedules. But yeah. I, I know when I get to that point that I can get back on that schedule, I'll like, okay, the business is a, a successful, good place where I can go on my normal runs. And you got into this business like not really knowing anything about the e-bike industry. I mean, you knew about your e-bike and your experience, but, you know, what are – and besides, you know, launching with 30 colorways, uh, what were some big lessons that you learned along the way and how did you kind of overcome those challenges? Yeah. Yeah. Look, biking is – if it's a $10,000, you know, specialized, you know, for – that you use for tries a couple times a year or if it's an e-bike that you use five times a week – it's the life cycle of the bike. It's not just when you sell a customer a bike or when someone gets their bike. It's maintenance throughout um, that period. Look, the interesting thing is, is that people put, we've got the ability to see the odometer of all of our bikes on the road. It's cool. anonymous. It's, you know, it just goes to a central database. And, and so brother. we see, I know, right? <laughs> I'm yeah. I promise there's no data. You can go through all It's not like the meta, yeah. the meta the yeah. new glasses yeah. for the metaverse where like they're monitoring your eyeballs. Right. You're selling your data of your eyeballs. But it's, but it's definitely, it's interesting to see um, the number of miles that the average rider rides, but also the growth in that. I mean, it's when you think of, you know, the number of rides that I used to do on road biking or even throwing in, you know, I did a couple of century rides and those kind of things. Still, the average ride per day per, you know, over the year was pretty low. 
Yeah. And then you get an e-bike and I'm like, well, it's the fastest way across town, even if you're in LA or if you're in Denver or whatever, and you start using it more and more and putting on more and more miles. I mean, my personal Vela has, you know, close to three and a half, 4,000 miles. And I forget which batch that was, I was a part of, but that is like, you start seeing these huge mileages, which means really more maintenance, more upkeep, more all of this. And, right. and what I've learned is, you know, all bikes need maintenance and, and upkeep and, yes. you know, it's especially like the chain yeah. in like weather conditions. Yeah. And the more technology that we're throwing at it, you know, you know, new, new gear shifters or new this or new, new frames, you name it all needs maintenance and upkeep. And we need to be a part of that throughout the entire life cycle of the bike. So that's been a really interesting lesson, but also ability for us to partner with different groups and really learn, um, you know, we'll see a growth, we'll see a boom of our bikes being sold in Atlanta. And it's like, right. okay, well now we need to go, you know, partner up with XYZ Atlanta bike, um, shop. bike shop. Yeah. And and for us now we've gotten ahead of the curve and it's like, okay, well we're seeing the growth here and we're going to go out and train or partner up. So now we have 186 you know, partners around the country and it allows us to, you know, if my mom outside of, you know, Baltimore, DC, yeah. you know, can get her bike worked on all the way to, you know, smaller markets. And, and, you know, even here it allows us to kind of leverage off of that kind of growth in the, in the biking uh, world, which is great. And then you, the bikes, people can, you know, buy the bikes on your website. It's D to C direct to consumer. Yep. Um, but are you also, you know, are you also planning to sell them through some of these shops that are servicing them as well? Yeah, it's, it's, I think our friends at Canyon really helped pioneer more and more of direct to consumer. Um, obviously, they're in a very different product and very different price point, but getting people more and more comfortable with, with ordering bikes online and having them, um, arrive at their doorstep and then the necessary services to kind of get that bike on the road or quite frankly our bikes are 90 percent built you just need to do the handlebar and attach the wheel and fender on the front um so they come like built they come all built yeah. except for except for that the challenge really is, is that the bike retail market is an antiquated similar like tesla disrupting the auto dealership yes yes the bike retail world really ha is ripe for disruption. Yes. It is. Well, look at the pros closet. It's crazy. And that's, I'm a huge proponent of that. Yeah. I mean, there is, if a, a typical bike shop that we talk to is demanding close to a 40 plus percent margin um, yeah. on a new brand, getting started, getting all the logistics, and they won't even touch the bike for repair or maintenance or any of these other things yeah. if we don't sell through them. So it's a real difficult challenge for us to go into a more traditional bike retail mm -hmm. um, spot, even though I've got a tremendous amount of respect and understanding of it. But it's like, you know, a lot of the rules that, you know, the specialized and the larger tracks and the larger brands can abide by is is a challenge for a smaller upstart brand yeah. to really break into that. Um, and and look, I I, I get it. I, I get that there's a lot of, but it's also there needs to be some flexibility in that. And I think it's starting to change and starting to become a lot more um, open in some of the barriers of entry. I've seen a lot of bike shops go out of business, and also I've seen bike shops become you know a trek bike shop, right. and. It's just that the business is evolving and, it, and especially like 
you know, in markets where, you know, in New York. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have the, to put that on the podcast. The interesting but thing think, is yeah. Trek is actually, Trek bike shops, we've actually found to be very welcoming to yeah, working on I'm our sure. bikes. They're which so is, nice. Which yeah. is, I mean, it's it's funny to see like the occasional like glimmer of like, okay, well, we don't need to like, you know, we're only going to work on this bike to only do that and everything. It's like, it's lowering that down a little bit. So, so where do you where do you ride your road bike? I'm a big Prospect Park laps. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm a big Cape Cod uh, rider okay. um, on the rail trail up there. Um, there's Artie. All right. Uh, what yeah, up? Artie making his uh, appearance Podcast here. Podcast debut. Artie. Shh. I'll bud. keep that on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, bud. So I've done my fair share of out, out east, too, riding. Yeah. I love the ride from Sag Harbor to Montauk. Oh, yeah. Back Great. and forth. Lighthouse. And then more recently, my girlfriend just got a place upstate. So I'm looking forward to exploring the upstate Catskills area. Yeah, it's hilly. Um, Yeah. You like hills. It's probably good. Yeah. Because all those places that I just uh, named are pretty flat. So I need some good hills. (laughs) I know. I'm always on 9W. That's my route. Like just back and forth. I'm always saying I'm going to get in my car and drive somewhere, but it never happens. What's on the horizon for Avella? Like, what can we expect in 2023? Oof. I'm not going to spill all the beans, but um, we've got some exciting stuff happening. You know, there's a lot of the good news is in the e-bike spaces for the past two years, e-bikes have outsold electric cars and, and really leading electric vehicles out there. But the growth in cargo bikes and the growth in a lot different shapes and forms of of what the e-bike looks like um, will lead us kind of as we go forward. Our production moving closer to home in Detroit um, will allow us a lot more flexibility with colors, with customization as we release the Vela 3 uh, in the spring. This is our third version, which will be exciting. And again, for us, you know, there's 95% of the e-bike space is white labeled Chinese e-bikes where you just pick a design, change a couple of things, throw a label on and, and ship it, ship it to the U.S. We own our design from the ground up, which allows us, you know, it's a lot more challenging, but allows us a lot more customization and ability to kind of, as we, as we release new models, um, and functionality allow, allows us to really target that. So we're excited to release the Vela 3, um, some more customization, and the Made in the U.S. and Made in Detroit is, for me, the most exciting part of um, the next year. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. and Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests,